0: Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley.
1: I don't want an election. You don't want an election. Let's get on with the people's agenda. A prime minister that's lost the support of parliament, as
0: he clearly and patently has, then I think it's time for that government to go. There are significant days in politics, there are exciting days, and occasionally there are momentous days. And today, Tuesday, counts as a potentially momentous day in the House of Commons, as MPs opposed to a no-deal Brexit seek to take control of the order paper in order to stop Boris Johnson from taking the UK out of the EU on October 31st without a deal. That's the sole focus of our discussion today, and I'm joined on the line from London by our London editor, Dennis Staunton, and from Brussels by our Europe editor, Patrick Smith, both back from their summer holidays in the nick of time. Dennis, it looks like MPs opposed to Boris Johnson's Brexit plans have the numbers they need. So what exactly do they plan to do?
1: What they plan to do is uh, they'll ask the Speaker, John Bercow, for an emergency motion, a debate on an emergency motion. This is under what's called Standing Order 24. And normally these motions, uh, you can have a debate on something, but you normally don't vote on these afterwards. But what they will ask uh, John Bercow to do would be to, uh, to them have a vote which would allow them to take control of the parliamentary timetable tomorrow, Wednesday, and then uh, with a view to passing legislation which would oblige Boris Johnson to request an extension to Article 50, so a delay to Brexit beyond the 31st of October, unless he had agreed a deal with the European Union uh, by the 19th of October. There's a a European summit on the 17th and the 18th, so the day after that, he'd have to have uh, agreed a deal, and if he hasn't got a deal by then, then he has to write a letter, and they actually draft what he has to say in the letter, uh, asking the European Union for an extension to to uh, January the 31st of next year. And they then say that if the Europeans offer a different date, that Johnson would have to accept that date unless Parliament said otherwise. And so what it's uh, effectively doing is saying that uh, you either get a deal or you ask for an extension. Uh, Boris Johnson, outside Downing Street uh, on Monday, he said that there were no circumstances under which he uh, would ever ask for an extension. And uh, he then said he didn't want to have an election, but uh, the implication was that, given that he wasn't going to follow this instruction, that he actually might go for it. So what they're going to do today is to try to take control of the order paper. If they have a majority to do that, then they will have a majority to pass this legislation. And that legislation then would be debated on Wednesday, it would go to the House of Lords, and then come back. And they also have a little stratagem put in there, which would uh, block any attempt by Boris Johnson to interrupt the uh, the passage of this bill of this legislation. So they'll make sure that the legislation can get through before uh, the uh, prorogation or the suspension of Parliament, which Johnson has ordered for next week.
0: Everybody seems to take it as read that the Speaker John Berko Berko w- will actually accede to this this uh, request, this move to take control of the order paper. Is there any doubt about that?
1: I think there's very little doubt about it. He's shown himself to be uh, to be quite flexible in his interpretation of Commons procedure uh, when he feels as if it's necessary to give Parliament a chance to assert itself against the executive, and particularly for Parliament to be allowed to express its view on something important if the government is trying to stop it from doing so. As you've seen, this happen a number of times before, and in fact this particular stratagem has been used by Oliver Letwin, a Conservative, and Yvette Cooper uh, a few months ago, and so so it's something that he has agreed to in the past, and the every expectation is that he will do so again later today.
0: And what are we expecting Boris Johnson then to do in response? Well, first of all, uh,
1: they have to win the, uh, uh, the rebels have to win the vote. It looks as if they probably will win the vote because there are 15 Conservative MPs who have already said that uh, they're going to uh, vote with the rebels. And that's normally around the number where it's pretty sure that they're going to win. Uh, A couple of Labour MPs will probably vote the other way. And then uh, Boris Johnson has said, first of all, any Conservative MP who uh, votes against the government will lose the Conservative whip in Parliament and will not be allowed to stand as a Conservative candidate in any forthcoming election. What he is then expected to do is uh, to table a motion under the Fixed-Term Parliament Act asking for a general election and to get a general election he needs a two thirds majority in parliament and so uh, he would seek to uh, to uh, lay that motion so that that motion would be debated also perhaps on wednesday and then there's a question of kind of scheduling as to how uh, you know whether that happens that debate happens before or after the uh, the debate on the um, on the brexit motion and uh, and then it's a question really of whether labor uh, will agree to support that motion uh, because because he needs the two thirds majority. He needs Labour votes, and uh, you know, Jeremy Corbyn was in Salford yesterday, and uh, at a rally there, he suggested that uh, Labour was very much up for a general election.
0: And and then so, that seemed to turn last night, didn't it, Dennis? Sorry, there were some other voices then come out and seemed to, to, to contradict Cor- Corbyn's stance.
1: Yes, Tony Lloyd, who's the uh, spokesman for Labour on Northern Ireland, he said that uh, that the Labour Party was going to be very careful about uh, what they agree to in terms of this, and they wanted to make sure that. Uh, Johnson wouldn't use an election to try to uh, force through a no-deal Brexit. Now, what the government has been suggesting is that he would go for an election on the 14th of October, so two weeks before the, uh, the deadline for Brexit. And so their argument is that there's still a chance uh, to get a deal after that, and either for uh, a Conservative government or any other government, and so that there's no problem. Uh, What Labour and some other opposition parties have been suggesting is that actually uh, there's a danger that uh, Parliament would agree to this date and then that the government would simply by order... Uh, uh, by a proclamation, changed the date to a date after Brexit Day. And part of the problem here is that uh, you know they don't trust each other, and they don't trust uh, Boris Johnson because he had said he had suggested a couple of weeks ago that he wasn't going to prorogue or suspend Parliament, and then he went ahead and did it. And so, uh, so they don't. So, so what they're trying to work out now, Labour, is is there some kind of watertight way? that they can uh, amend this legislation or get some kind of promise uh, or commitment and a surefire commitment from Johnson that the vote will happen on the 14th of October. Now, what other people in the Labour Party and including former Prime Minister Tony Blair and people in some of the other parties like the Liberal Democrats are saying is, "Don't. this is all too risky. What we should do is wait until the Brexit Uh, process plays out over the next couple of months and so if uh, wait until johnson either gets a deal or is obliged to uh, to seek an extension to article 50 and so what they're effectively saying is that you trap boris johnson in downing street until such time as either he's got a brexit deal or he has uh, sought and secured an extension of the brexit deadline until january the end of january of next year
0: And I know um, the difficulty for Corbyn is that he has been seeking an election, um, you know, for the past number of years. And people say he's going to look rather silly now if he doesn't take the opportunity when it comes. But surely um, if Labour is to box clever, um, Tony Blair is right, um, isn't he? What Labour needs to do now is not actually fall into this uh, trap that Johnson is laying for them.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I mean you actually have a kind of the, the curious spectacle where you know where Boris Johnson is telling everybody in public uh, he doesn't want an election, whereas he quite clearly does. And Jeremy Corbyn is telling everybody that he really does want an election, when perhaps it's not in his interest actually to have it. One of the advantages, I mean, it's certainly it does look a bit ungainly for a political party or a leader uh, who, who's been saying almost every weeks, you know, for the last two years, give us an election, uh, you know, to under Theresa May and now under Johnson, to then say, well, actually, we're not quite ready for it yet. But on the other hand, if you look at it just in purely political terms, if they contrive to keep Boris Johnson in Downing Street and to oblige him to postpone Brexit and then go for an election, then Boris Johnson's entire electoral strategy of reuniting the, uh, the coalition that voted Leave in 2016, it chatters because uh, you know, his, his big problem is that Nigel Farage's Brexit party is still at about 12 to 15% in the polls. But what he's hoping is that if he goes for an election now, that he'll be able to say, look, uh, I'm a true believer in Brexit and uh, there's no point in voting for the Brexit party, you've got to vote for me. But if he actually has failed to deliver Uh, Brexit on time, then the Brexit party would be very much alive and crying betrayal. And on the other hand, the problem that Labour has is that the Remain vote is split between Labour and the Liberal Democrats, who are doing quite well. Labour are in the early 20s in the polls, and the Liberal Democrats are around maybe 19%. And so what they're hoping to do is that if they have a little bit of time, a few extra weeks, and perhaps a party conference, they'll be able to shift their position on Brexit in such a way that, or at least the perception of their position, in such a way that it reassures some of those Remain voters who have been flirting with the Liberal Democrats that they should actually, uh, their best bet in terms of Brexit is to back Labour, and so that it would enhance Labour's vote and create problems for Boris Johnson, but it is quite a difficult uh, manoeuvre to pull off uh, when you're going to have the Conservatives basically saying that Corbyn is afraid of an election.
0: But should that scenario come to pass, Dennis Let's say the rebel MPs succeed in taking control of the order paper, and and uh, the Prime Minister responds by moving to dissolve Parliament, and Labour confounds him by by abstaining on that motion or or opposing it. Where would that leave Boris Johnson? I mean, where where would he have to turn after that?
1: Well, there is one more option under the Fixed-Term Parliament Act. I, you know, there are two ways that you can get an election. Basically, what happened with the Fixed-Term Parliament Act is that when David Cameron went into coalition with the Liberal Democrats under Nick Clegg, they introduced this measure uh, so that one side couldn't pull the plug on the other uh, you know, unilaterally. And so what it says is that every five years you set the date of the election. And the only way you can stop it is either to uh, pass a motion saying, let us have a general election on this date with a two-thirds majority, or else, if the government of the day loses a vote of confidence, then there's a 14-day cooling-off period where uh, you know other parties are allowed to try to see if they can form uh, a, a new majority or a new government within Parliament. And if that fails, then you can go for an election. So, what you so one option that Johnson could have would be to actually uh, stage a vote of no confidence in himself and so that uh, you know so and then you would find and we're all, we're talking about kind of absurd spectacles here but it is a strange time that uh, you, you know that uh, you that he would instruct conservative MPs to vote against their own government to vote no confidence in their own government and uh, that labor and company the opposition would be voting confidence in the government that they actually want to ultimately to bring down,
0: uh, Paddy. Uh, I'll bring you in here. How is all this viewed from Brussels? Has everybody just got the popcorn out like the rest of us, watching in fascination to see how all of this unfolds? Uh,
2: there's an element of
0: that. That's certainly the, the case. Uh,
2: uh, we we have a sort of daily ritual in the Commission uh, at the briefings that they give every every day, at which uh, British journalists uh, say, "And how are the talks going? And and what are the negotiations?" Uh, producing, and the Commission says, actually, these are talks; these are not negotiations. We've had no substantive proposals from the British on how to how to solve the backstop problem, and so we're sort of in limbo. We're really waiting to see things playing out in in uh, Brussels, i in in London. I mean, and I think the other thing I I, I would add to that is that in the statement that Boris uh, Johnson made yesterday. His categorical insistence uh, that uh, he, under no circumstances, would would look for an extension, is something that that uh, may tie his hand uh, also uh, in the aftermath of an election. Supposing he was elected with a large uh, majority of, of uh, uh, Tories, um, uh, and uh, we were ten days from 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 departure. Uh, is he in a position to go to Brussels and say, uh, I want a deal, uh, get a deal in 10 days? People here think it's impossible. Um, if not, is he going to do an about-face and ask for an extension at that stage? And, and given the strength of his statement uh, yesterday, it, it seemed as, as quite uh, difficult and unlikely. In other words, what people are saying here is that Boris Johnson is declaring very firmly uh, in an election you'll be voting for me to leave uh, the European Union with a no deal because there is no uh, possibility of doing a deal uh, and that that is uh, will be the, 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 the campaign uh, demand. It's a very um, risky strategy because uh, at the moment he's still able to pretend that he can get a deal. Uh, people here just
0: don't believe it. And on this question, Paddy, of progress in the talks, Boris Johnson keeps asserting that we're making great progress, and and Dominic Raab was on the Today program this morning on Radio Four saying the same thing. I mean, are they th- lying about this, or are they are they picking up, you know, maybe some sort of better vibes, you know, around Europe and their tour of the European capitals that that weren't there before?
2: Well, people uh, are around the European capitals are saying no. We we haven't said anything to uh, Boris Johnson that we never said that we didn't say before. If you present a viable alternative to the backstop that doesn't threaten the withdrawal agreement and the principles enshrined in it then we will talk to you and and that isn't that isn't new and there is no uh, nobody is convinced by his argument that he's getting noises from Merkel and, and Macron to say you know come on uh, uh, there's 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 an opportunity here uh, we're prepared to reopen the withdrawal agreement that is completely not happening the other thing which is interesting is that there's been a leak in the last two days of a document uh, produced by the British Civil Service, by the neg- working group on, on negotiations, um, uh, on, the, on specifically on, on the backstop. And uh, they are looking at uh, the supposed uh, alternative arrangements, which are seen and are regularly touted by, uh, Johnson and, and Co and Gove and, and others as a, a viable alternative to the backstop. Well, this official uh, behind-the-scenes look at those alternatives says, as one commission official put it to me today, something that we have known all along, that the, there is no uh, part of those proposals which which is a serious runner. And and the, uh, the document is actually quite, uh, uh, must be very depressing for the... Um, for the British government,
0: which, not surprisingly, has refused to publish it. And it's a very recent document, isn't it? August 28th, I think is the date on it. Yeah, it's,
2: it's it's only a few days ago. And they, they are, um, basically, they go through every single possible variation of the alternative arrangements. And they say, this is seriously problematic and we can't do this and we can't do that. One of the ones that is the most important possible option and may uh, end up happening is is the so-called SPS, uh, Northern Ireland becoming um, uh, an SPS region that is an agricultural uh, veterinary region with uh, the south. This was part of the original proposals of the backstop. And um, the report actually says that's not a bad idea, but it's politically too problematic to go with. Uh, this is really um, pretty silly.
0: I suspect the problem, Paddy, with those documents is they were written by experts. And, you know, Michael Gove told us a long time ago not to not to listen to experts. But can I just ask you, Paddy, um, does the EU have a preferred outcome here? I mean, to the immediate political crisis in Britain, like w- would an election help to break the logjam of the House of Commons, for example?
2: I think that people are just not convinced that any uh, particular outcome is going to resolve the, the is, is going to get us out of a no deal situation. And. Um, the no deal uh, appears to be the logical outcome of virtually every <coughs> scenario that is that is uh, used to, uh, you know, to come out of the maze that is the British politics at, at the moment. Um, and, and so it, it really, there isn't, nobody here is stating strongly uh, a preference. And they're certainly not doing anything public because they, they know that anything they say publicly will will be... Uh, would be matched to the flames in in, in,
0: in Britain. And and and, Paddy, just to clarify something: if through whatever circumstances, be it legislation passed in the Commons or a change in in political circumstances, the EU did seek or the UK, sorry, did seek an extension to um, to, to Brexit, a, a delay beyond October thirty first, is the EU certain to grant such a request? Or Are there still some voices? I mean, a while ago, Emmanuel Macron was kind of casting doubt on whether this would be of any benefit to the EU, and maybe everybody should just get on with this and move on.
2: I think that there's a general sense among most of the member states that um, uh, that an extension would be granted um, reluctantly, because there's considerable scepticism about it. But but one of the more curious scenarios being floated here is is that uh, if Boris Johnson was ordered by the Commons to seek an extension, he might actually go behind the backs of the, the other member states. To one of the more sympathetic member states and say, "Listen, would you ever veto this for me?" So it has to be unanimous by the member states. But it it, it is being suggested that uh, the Hungarians, for example, Mr. Orbán, uh, would be very willing if if Boris Johnson gave him the nod uh, to say, uh, "No, I'm sorry, we're we're not going to give you an extension."
0: Um, Dennis, if Boris Johnson does get his way and, and there is an election, I know you touched on this already, but just to expand on it a bit, who, who would be best placed to win that election, do you think?
1: Uh, it's it's really very difficult uh, to predict. Uh, it's always difficult to predict, obviously, which is why we get so many predictions wrong. But it's particularly difficult because in England, uh, for example, it's now split four ways. I mean, if you look at the outcome of the 2017 uh, general election, Almost everybody in England voted for either the Conservatives or the Labour Party. You had a few Liberal Democrats, and uh, and 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 one one Green MP. But generally speaking, that's who they voted for. Now, in it's it's split four ways between Labour, Conservatives. Uh, brexit party and Liberal Democrats and so uh you know the Conservatives are likely to lose some seats in Scotland to the uh, to the Scottish National Party Ruth Davidson who's the who was the very uh popular leader of the conservative in Scotland has announced that she's uh, stepping down so uh you know and obviously the brexit policy and Boris Johnson are both pretty unpopular in Scotland so they can expect to lose some seats there they're likely to lose some seats in the south to both Labour and to the Liberal Democrats, and particularly if the Liberal Democrats are doing well. What they're hoping for is that they'll be able to gain some Labour seats in constituencies in the Midlands and the North where uh, they voted f- uh, in favour of Brexit. But the problem is that uh, to succeed, What they've got to do is to eliminate the Brexit party as a threat. And so uh, the problem with the Brexit party, even if it's on, say, 12 percent or 10 percent or whatever, it's probably not going to be able necessarily to win any seats. But uh, a thousand or a couple of thousand votes here or there in a constituency can make the difference under the the first-past-the-post system uh, to whether a Conservative wins or not. And so you saw this, for example, in the Peterborough by-election earlier this year, where Labour held on to that seat on a reduced share of the vote because the uh, Conservative vote was split with the Brexit Party vote. And so so that's why you could, uh, you know, on a good day, uh, you could see Boris Johnson has got a chance to reunite this uh, coalition and get back in because at the moment, Labour is down pretty low. Uh, It's, you know, early 20s, The the low 20s, Jeremy Corbyn, is unpopular as a leader and the Liberal Democrats are doing well. So, uh, you know, there is, uh, and again, the Liberal Democrats could have a similar impact in many constituencies on Labour, as the Brexit party would have on the Conservatives. So they may not actually win the seat, but they could prevent Labour from either winning it or holding it. So what you could see would be uh, Johnson winning and possibly with a majority. Perhaps more likely is that you actually do get some version of what you have now, which is a hung parliament. And uh, and so if, for example, to go back to the sort of scenarios you were talking about to Paddy, if, say, Boris Johnson were to return with uh, a comfortable majority, one of the consequences of that would be that the DUP would then be surplus to requirements. And that would theoretically allow Boris Johnson to pursue the kind of deal that he wants with the European Union, which is to have uh, a very loose free trading relationship and with the possibility of Britain diverging from as many regulations as possible, indeed from all of them if necessary, but then that you would solve the Northern Ireland issue by having a Northern Ireland-only backstop. And you wouldn't have the uh, DUP effectively having a veto on that. So that's one possibility that you could have. If, say, you had uh, a Labour government, uh, which was a minority government, supported perhaps by the Scottish National Party or by the Liberal Democrats, then that's a government which would not be able to uh, agree any deal on Brexit uh, without putting it to a referendum. And so then you get into uh, to more uncertainty. So that while this is while any such government is likely to want a closer relationship with the European Union than a conservative government is, uh, it may be that they actually can't deliver Brexit. But of course, you could then have a real nightmare scenario, which is that they uh, that this uh, other government would call a second referendum on Brexit, and the people would vote for Brexit again.
0: Is there, is there any talk, um, Dennis, of the opposition parties, you know, cooperating in constituencies and engaging in any kind of tactical voting, or is that just not really part of the, the, the culture, if you like, in the British political system?
1: Well, you did see it in uh, in a by election uh, a few weeks ago in Brecon and Radnorshire in Wales, where uh, the uh, where Plaid Cymru and the Greens stepped back and uh, and gave the Liberal Democrat a free run and, and the kept Liberal the Conservative Democrat, sitting MP. I, I guess the uh, Conservative. Yeah, um, Exactly, and so so the uh, so the so the Conservatives lost that seat to the Liberal Democrats, and in fact the new MP is going to be uh, uh, introduced to Parliament today, and uh, and so you've seen it uh, among those smaller parties, Labour is unlikely to do any kind of pact with the Liberal Democrats, but what again you might. See, would be that just at a local and an informal level, that uh, you know, that partly simply because of the way electoral resources are distributed, if it's pretty clear that the Liberal Democrats have a shot at a conservative seat and Labour really doesn't, then it's unlikely that Labour would do more than. A kind of a token campaign, or sort of a basic campaign, and likewise, you might find the Liberal Democrats doing the same. There's a problem at a local level, which is that the Liberal Democrats and Labour tend to loathe each other at a a, you know at constituency level, partly because the Liberal Democrats have a reputation for being rather dirty. Fighters, at uh, you know, despite their kind of uh, squeaky clean image on a national level, when they're actually fighting local and by-elections, they tend to be pretty rough. So that, you know, yeah,
0: th- it's not helped, I suppose, by the fact that some la- prominent Labour MPs have defected to the Lib Dems.
1: Yeah, there's, there's also, that. and then of course, I mean, you know, that, that of course is the other problem that Labour has, which is that uh, you know, I, you know, last time in 2017. Uh, it was expected that Jeremy Corbyn would be a, a big problem for labor and as it turned out he wasn't and uh, you know whether he was an advantage or not uh, he certainly didn't appear to hold them back and their uh, you know and the policies that he was proposing were very popular in uh, there's no question but that he is uh, he's been damaged among many of his own supporters because of the, his ambiguous approach to brexit and most labor supporters and especially young supporters are very pro-remain and so uh, you know if uh, you know what's not clear is just to what extent Uh, you know, Jeremy Corbyn would be a problem. And particularly since, you know, if you think back to 2017, very few people thought that Corbyn, you know, that Labour was likely to win. So some Labour candidates, uh, when they were canvassing, they said, you know, it's quite safe to vote for me because there's no chance we're going to win. You're not going to have Jeremy Corbyn as Prime Minister. Whereas now, obviously, there's a different kind of scrutiny that that you're going to get.
0: And Dennis, to go back to the Tory rebels just for a moment, um, one of the people we've been talking about is Philip Hammond, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer. He was speaking on the BBC's Today programme uh, this morning, Tuesday. Let's hear what he had to say. I am going to defend my party against incomers, uh, entryists who are trying to turn it from a broad church into a narrow faction. People who are at the heart of this government, who are probably not even members of the Conservative Party, who care nothing about the future of the Conservative Party. You're referring
1: there to Dominic Cummings.
0: I intend to defend my party against them.
1: Do you believe that Dominic Cummings is not a member of the Conservative Party, as we were hearing yesterday? I think David Gork suggested he didn't, see, he didn't think that he was.
0: My colleague David Gork suggested yesterday that he is not a member of the Conservative Party. It's my understanding he's not and never has been uh, a member of the Conservative Party. I haven't heard a denial from Downing Street, perhaps they'll issue one if that's not the case. And of course, Dennis, uh, Philip Hammond was speaking there about Dominic Cummings, who's Boris Johnson's chief strategist and the former uh, head of the Vote Leave campaign. How do you think Cummings and Johnson feel right now about the strategy they've been pursuing in recent days? Do you think they think they're winning or not?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think certainly uh, it looked better yesterday than it looks today uh, for Boris Johnson, and I think you know it, it, it was you know and this very robust approach and uh, very high stakes in threatening uh, the rebel Conservatives with deselection, uh, you know was you know it looked like it was kind of a, a potentially effective hard. Ball tactic. But what you're now about to see uh, later today is not only former Chancellor of the Exchequer, Philip Hammond, various other former cabinet ministers, but Nicholas Soames, the grandson of Winston Churchill and a lifelong Conservative and the ultimate Tory grandee trooping into the lobbies to vote against the government and being st- uh, stripped of the conservative whip and effectively expelled from the Conservative Party. Now if you if you see uh, if you if you get rid of people like that and it could be up to 20 of them it could you could also see Ken Clark various people like that were you know, very well-known figures and big figures within the Conservative Party that is more than just uh, asserting discipline over your party that's tearing the party apart and what Philip Hammond was saying uh, was that he's not going to just sit there and allow the Conservative Party to be taken over and to be uh, and to be moved in a different direction by somebody like Dominic Cummings, who, according to Philip Hammond, according to various other reports, has never been a member of the Conservative Party and has said many disobliging things to say about the Conservative Party. And so I think that if the Johnson experiment Uh, succeed, so that, for example, he uh, calls the general election, gets it, and wins it, then uh, nobody really will be talking about Philip Hammond and company after a while. But if it fails, then I think you will see uh, a new kind of battle for the Conservative Party, and you will see figures like Philip Hammond and Rory Stewart and various other of these people uh, who are rebels uh, tonight, you might see them coming back to effectively uh, try to save the party and reclaim it.
0: Okay. M- a final word from you both. What's going to happen, Paddy? You first. um I
2: don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, uh, but I would strongly predict a no deal Brexit on the
0: thirty first of October. Dennis, I think
1: what's going to happen is that I think the rebels will win. Tonight, I'd be surprised if they don't. And uh, and so they will uh, they, they will pass this legislation to, uh, to try to rule out a no-deal Brexit. And then Boris Johnson will seek an election. And I think he will get one, but it's not quite clear if he'll get one exactly on the date that he wants.
0: Dennis Staunton in London, Patrick Smith in Brussels. Thank you both. That's all for this week and you can follow our Brexit coverage on irishtimes.com including our live blog today, Tuesday, which will be running for as long as they're talking in the House of Commons and, and a little beyond. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.